Revelation chapter number 2. Revelation chapter number 2. I'm thankful to be able to preach out the book of Revelation tonight. And um, my tithe got everything messed up. But I can't breathe, okay? And so y'all just bear with me. And uh, I need to be able to breathe when I'm preaching. um, Because sometimes it gets a little high. And I about died this morning. I'm not going to lie to you. So... Um, Revelation chapter 2, if you found your spot, we'll stand in reverence to the Word of God. And uh, I told my, uh, my wife the other day, I said, listen, I, I said, uh, so we were somewhere something, but Elijah on Thursday night was sweating like a dog up here. And she said, man, he sweated. I said, I'd rather, I would rather preach in 75 degree heat than I would. In, in 50 degree weather or 60 degree weather because it just opens up your airways, man. I'd rather preach about 72, 73. That's why I keep turning the heat up, by the way. So y'all can thank me for that. You ladies, y'all can thank me for that because I'm turning the heat up as other people turn it down. I'm turning it up because it opens up my airways. When it gets too cool, it, it closes down my airways and it gets hard to preach. And so that's why when you hear me struggling sometimes, uh, I, I, that's why... Um, because it may be a little too cool for me. That's why we turn the fans off too. And so, Revelation chapter number 2, verse number 12, the Bible says, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, whom taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Uh, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Uh, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in a stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Could I get a little more on the monitors, please? Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, so much. For your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love. I thank you, God, for giving us what you have and helping us, God, uh, throughout this time, Lord, to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. Uh, Please, God, help tonight. We need your help. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. Uh, If you look at the church of Pergamos and you you study that church just sometime, uh, you'll quickly find that it was a very beautiful church. City. It was a beautiful city, Pergamos was, uh, and it was approximately 20 miles from the Mediterranean Sea, uh, and it was located around what we know today as modern Turkey. We know it as modern Turkey. You can still look, uh, and some say that this place is called Bergama now in Turkey, and I looked it up, and it is true. It is a place. Uh, And so um, in that place, it was known to be a wealthy city, and it sat on the top of a huge mountain and overlooked, uh, and from that site they could see uh, the sea 20 miles away. uh, And it was up on top of that huge mountain, and they say that the approaching traveler traveler would look at that city, uh, and they would see, uh, have a sense of awe, and have a sense of royalty as they looked upon that city, uh, just because of the beautification of that city. uh, And many kids, 
kings made their residence in this city uh, and Pergamos was one of the religious centers of all of the world. Uh, it, was, it had been a capital city for some 400 years at the writing of John. Uh, and so its library, they say, was a secondary, uh, um, was the biggest library secondary to Alexandria of Egypt uh, and it was, had uh, approximately some 200,000 volumes of lib- in that library. Now you say, well, that's not very important. Well, here's the thing. They didn't have the, the technology we have today. That means they wrote every single book. Uh, they had 200,000 books that were handwritten in there. That's a pretty big uh, volume, I would say. Uh, and so, so um, that's uh, something big, and uh, they uh, they say also that parchment paper was made. Uh in Pergamos. That's where it come from and it derived from in that time. But the city's most prominent feature was its Acropolis. And its Acropolis was something that was huge and it was major and uh, Temples were built on that Acropolis and, and things. And you can look that up and, and find out what it is. I wish I could uh, explain it. But they say that Acropolis was rising about a, a thousand feet in the midst of the city. It was just rising uh, in a huge manner uh, in the middle of the city. And they say that Pergamus is called a Bergama today. And temple after temple had been built around uh, the Acropolis of that city and that big upright standing uh, um, thing of that city, and uh, um, for example, there was a temple to uh, now. Now, I'll probably uh, sabotage these names. Uh, um, there was a temple there um, to uh, Eclipius, Eclipius, and Eclipius was a serpent-like god, uh, and having uh, um, uh, many, many, it was just a god style, like a snake, a serpent, uh, and it was a god of healing. It was a god of healing in the place of Pergamos, uh, and it was famous for its uh, medical priests, which came out of that temple there. Uh, and they say that it, his temple uh, was filled with snakes. It was filled with snakes. Now, this could explain a lot according to our text, right? Uh, so you think about it. It says, I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. Now, taking the word as a literal word of God, uh, I believe that tells me that Satan had a literal seat in Pergamos. Now, um, they say that this temple was filled with snakes. They say that people would stay the night in there and they believe that if a snake uh, crawled across them as they were sleeping, that they all everything uh, that they had wrong with them would be healed. That's a horrible way to think about things, but... That's what they thought, and they, were, they would be healed. But the most famous pagan altar was built there was to Zeus. And it was an overpowering sight, they say. It was something that was huge, and it was built on a huge ledge uh, that jutted out uh, and towered above all of the city. And it was the um, largest, most ornate, and most famous altar in all of the world. And they say this altar was approximately 100 feet square by 40 feet tall as it jutted out over top of the city. So nonetheless, it was reek with wickedness. And the Lord comes to them and He reminds them of the truth and the power of His word as He begins. He says, To the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Can everybody hear me okay tonight? 
Okay, because I am having a hard time. And so here we have all of this, and it tells us that these things saith he, which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Now you tell me according to Hebrews what had two edges and what was a sharp sword. The word of God. It's a two-edged sword. And Jesus had a word for the church of Pergamos, and as well as I believe he can for us. And it's interesting that Pergamos, if you look up that word, it actually means married. It means married. And they say that the same word that you get the word Pergamos from is the same word that we get polygamy from. And um, so um, that's just a little tidbit for you. I don't know. But that's just something. But the word Pergamos means married is what it means. And so the Lord had much to say to this church. And I'd like to preach this thought. Pergamos, the church that couldn't stay committed. Can you all agree with me tonight that there's a lot of people, some in this church and some out there in the world, that cannot stay committed to the things of God? Amen. Can't stay committed to the things of God. Uh, friend, it's saddening in this world. Uh, but I want you to notice three things, and I'll be done. I want you to notice, number one, this church is standing. Now it goes through, and he tells us in verse number 13, I know thy works, and where thou uh, dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. Uh, he says, I know, I know. And Jesus repeats the statement in which he repeats, uh, actually to all seven churches uh, that we're going to read after, but he's already repeated it to the first two, uh, or first three, uh, and, or this one being the third one, but the first uh, three, he repeats that, word, those, that phrase. He says, I know thy works. That's a scary thought. Now, in fact, I mean, he makes his statement to the rest of the four churches that we're going to see after this, uh, from Thyatira to Sardis to Philadelphia to, the, um, to, 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 Lord help me, Laodicea, to all four of those churches, all seven churches are started, as he says there, I know thy works. Now, he makes this statement in that way, but he was well aware of the works of this church. He was well aware of the works of Pergamos. And I believe he's well aware of the works of Mountain Valley. I believe that he is and he's aware of everything about his church, uh, including you and including I. He's aware of it. And the Lord knows. And there was an interesting standing uh, that this church carried. Uh, I want you to notice, number one, they're, do- they're, they're dwelling. They're dwelling. Uh, the Bible says, I know thy works and where thou Dwellest. Even where Satan's seat is. Uh, there was a word that he gave them about their dwelling. Uh, Pergamos uh, existed in a crazy environment, a mad environment. Uh, it was crazy and they wor- worshipped in a city where Satan's seat was. Where Satan's seat was. Where Satan dwelt. You understand that? Where the Lord dwelt at. And that is according uh, to the Lord. That's not according to man. Uh, That's not according to me. Uh, But that's what the Lord had to say about it. He said, uh, it's where Satan's seed is. It's red letters. Don't you see that? It's 100% red letters. And it's where Satan's seed is. Uh, Pergamos was a stronghold for Satan. And I tell you this, Satan, Satan, Satan is not in hell tonight. Satan is not in hell. He has never been in hell. And he will one day be in hell. But right now, he is not 
in hell. Uh, he is free to roam throughout this world uh, and he gives account uh, to the Lord for us uh, and not that he needs to because the Lord knows but he does. Uh, he roams to and fro uh, um, throughout this earth. Uh, the Bible says uh, that the God of this world has blinded the minds uh, of them in 2 Corinthians 4. four, uh, He is the God of this world. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, to be sober and be vigilant for your adversary, the lion, uh, the devil, like a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Does that tell you he's in hell tonight? No, he's a, he's a roaring lion. And he's seeking whom he may devour, who he can get, uh, who he can get a hold of. Uh, and as I've said before, be careful. There's a lion uh, outside. Uh, and don't be deceived. Uh, don't be mocked. Uh, don't be any of those things because Satan is at work and he wants nothing more uh, than to destroy the lives uh, and the testimony of every Christian sitting in this church tonight. The Bible says the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That thief is him. And I tell you, he can get in and steal. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to rob you of your testimony. And Pergamos was the political center of the worship of during the Roman government. They were the political center of the worship-demanding Roman government. Can I just say that, by the way, that's where your Antichrist is going to come out of? I can prove it to you in Scripture. Out of Rome. I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, the Roman government was the center. They were demanding worship at the center of Pergamos. And that's where Satan's seat was. Mm. My, my. There's a word about their dwelling. There's a word about their doctrine as he goes on and he tells them very clearly, even where Satan's seat, and thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith. He said, "Thou, you held fast my name. You didn't deny my faith. And to most in Pergamos, Jesus was just one of the other many gods. But this church recognized the preeminence of Jesus. They recognized Him to be the only God. They knew he had a name above every name. Uh, um, the name whereby men must be saved. Uh, um, they knew that. And I believe they had this much right. Uh, but I tell you today, this world needs to hear the blessed name of Jesus worshipped. Preached about. Proclaimed. Uh, they need to hear uh, the name of Jesus. It's the only name that gets God's attention. Uh, and it's the, only, it's the name that will get... You can say end your prayer in Allah's name. Uh, and you can end your prayer even in God's name a lot of places. Uh, but when you say Jesus, uh, something will be messed up. They will not like when you say Jesus. And I tell you, we must have much to say about Jesus. We must proclaim it. Uh, we must preach it uh, as straight and as true as we can, friend. Uh, because His name is the only one that will get things done. Amen, friend. Uh, they believed it the right way and their faith belonged to the Lord. They worried about their doctrine. Then there was a word about their dedication. He goes on and he says, Wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr. Who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth? Uh, 
We, we say that we're dedicated to Jesus, but are we really dedicated to Jesus? Everybody with me tonight? Don't let anything distract you. Everything's good. The Lord has helped us. How are we really dedicated to Jesus? Are we really dedicated to Him? Would we stand in the face of death? Um, does Jesus, does Jesus mean more to us um, than life does, uh, than family does? Uh, and these are hard questions. I understand that the church at per- Pergamos had to answer them. He had to answer them questions, and many were killed because they wouldn't deny the faith. Jesus speaks of Antipas, his faithful martyr. History tells us that Antipas was the pastor at Pergamos. He was the pastor at Pergamos, and his name means against all. It means he stood. He stood against all that Satan brought and paid a heavy price for it. He had to die. He had to die. He refused to proclaim that Caesar was God. Remember I told you last week, Everybody once a year had to proclaim that Caesar was God. And they did not do it and they died because of it. History tells us that he, he was placed in a brass bowl and a fire was built underneath it and Antipas was roasted alive. That's how Antipas died. He was a faithful martyr of Jesus Christ. Uh, And church, I'm telling you, that's dedication to Christ. Uh, That's something that would take you. uh, Because when they put him in the bull, he could have said, I denounce him. Uh, But he stood there uh, and waited for the fire to heat up uh, and to heat up uh, and to heat up until it eventually roasted him in that bull. I'm telling you, friend, the whole Pergamos might not have known his name, but Jesus knew his name. And he said, Antipas was my faithful martyr. He was my faithful martyr. I'm telling you, this church had a standing. And then secondly, this church had situations. And we see in verse 14 through 16, there's situations, and we'll read them as we go. But Pergamos heard the dreadful words that no church wants to hear. No person wants to hear. But they heard that words from the Lord. I have a few things against thee. I have a few things against thee. And some were true to Christ in the church of Pergamos, but some were not. The whole church was not. Catch me. Catch what I'm about to say. Don't miss this. The whole church of Pergamos was not true, but the whole church, part of the church, but the whole church, what? Some of the church was true. Some of the church was true. Some of the church was not true. But the whole church had to pay for it. You see, man, we ought not be that way. Pastor, you ought, you ought not be that hard on people. You ought not be that hard on them people. Why? We're going to have to pay for it. No, it's getting quiet. It's the truth. I understand that others were recognized by the Lord. I understand that when the Lord said, I know thy works... I understand that when the Lord said, Thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, I know He wasn't talking about the ones that were false. I know He was commending those that were true. But still, look at what this whole church maybe has to pay for 
if they don't repent. He says, I'll come unto thee quickly and we'll fight against them with the sword of my mouth. I'm telling you, church, it's serious. Notice a few situations that was within the church here. One, they were compromising. The Bible says, but I have a few things against thee because thou hast they, them there, they're them that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel and so on. They, the faithful were doing the works of Christ. The faithful were working, but they had allowed some people among them who were not. That's why it's important to not let everybody be a member of Mountain Valley Baptist Church. Not everybody can be a member here, by the way. Not everybody can be a member here. Uh, and the true church was mixing uh, with those who had false doctrines. If they don't believe the same thing we believe, they don't have no reason to be in this church. They can come all they want to, but they don't have no reason to ask for membership of the church because they won't. They won't get it. You say, man, that's brutal. No, that's leadership. The Bible says uh, to feed the flock of God. Uh, the Bible says uh, to, that you are to be overseers of the flock of God. And if we're not overseers, then what are we? Letting everybody come in. And I'm telling you, this true church uh, was mixing with those who taught false doctrines. <clears throat> Can I just tell you this? We cannot compromise on our stand for the word of God. We cannot compromise our stand for the Word of God and His doctrine uh, to gain the favor and the attendance of the world. Uh, and many have a whatever-it-takes mentality, uh, whatever-it-takes to build the church. Uh, but I tell you, friend, I tell you, we cannot lower our standards. Uh, we cannot do it uh, for the sake of cooperation uh, or the sake of growth. Uh, unbelievers do not embrace the truth. Uh, it is uh, against their nature to not do that. They're not going to embrace the truth uh, but it's what they need uh, and a true Christian doesn't mind the truth of God's word uh, they'll embrace it, uh, they'll love it uh, and they'll live by it, thank God they will, amen that's right friend, uh, they'll live by the word of God they'll embrace what God's word said and they uh, God help me, Lord help me, a compromising church will soon find uh, and will soon be filled with lost people who have a false sense of security uh, but no genuine conversion at all. I'm telling you, friend, we cannot compromise with this world uh, just to gain the world. The Bible says, uh, um, what, what can you do? Uh, uh, what, what are you going to do to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Uh, there's nothing worth it. There's nothing worth it. Uh, we cannot compromise uh, for this world telling you there's no profit in it friend we cannot do it we cannot do it at all they were compromising no, it's just hard preaching but man I'm telling you the truth I'm not telling I'm not preaching this to you uh, as a means that you're compromising because I know you ain't compromising but I'm telling you the truth here we ought not compromise we ought to stand firm on the word of God and what this word says friend and there ought to be no changing from it no changing from it. Uh, if we believed it and we lived by it, God will bless it, thank God. Uh, and I'm telling you, this church was a church that compromised. And this church 
was a church uh, that was corrupted. Do you know that corruption always follows compromise? Now, uh, this is truth. It will always follow compromise. It will soon follow it. Uh, and it won't be long until the ways of God are abandoned for the ways of men. Uh, and we're read here in our text uh, where the Bible says, uh, it says, them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. Now, Jesus warns of that doctrine of Balaam. And we saw a little bit of this not long ago in Numbers chapter 22 uh, through Numbers chapter 25. It teaches that Balak, the king of Moab, uh, hired Balaam to curse Israel. uh, And Balaam's curse was uh, turned into a blessing. Uh, It's just how God works. Uh, But his plan failed. And Balaam suggested that Balak corrupt Israel by enticing them to engage in idolatry and immorality. Israel believed they could live as they pleased and still have favor with God. Everybody with me? Israel believed that they could live how they pleased and then still have favor with God. Can I just tell you tonight, this doctrine is still alive and it's well in the churches of today. Many want the pleasure of sin throughout the week and on Sunday they want all of Jesus. Give me all of Jesus. Give me all of Jesus. But Jesus is not enough for them because they don't really want Jesus. They don't really want the God of the Bible. Uh, what they want is a little G God uh, that they can put in their hand uh, and that they can put on the end of puppet strings uh, and take him how they want to take him. Uh, but friend, I tell you this evening, uh, that is not my God. Uh, that is not my God. Uh, we can't have it both ways. Uh, man cannot serve two masters. He cannot. Jesus spoke also of the doctrine uh, of the Nicolaitans uh, as He's already spoken of. Uh, and he, said, uh, he says there, So has them also uh, that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. It's the second time He said He hated them. They were only deeds in Ephesus, but Pergamos had embraced their doctrine. And we understand that. I preached on that last last week. Remember, there was, or the first week, and there was deeds of the, it says there in verse number six, uh, but now um, this thou hast, uh, of chapter two, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Uh, so they had deeds in Ephesus, but now they have doctrine in Pergamos. They have doctrine in Pergamos. And, and I, they, they, I, I tell you, friend, the name simply, as I've said, it, remember it means to conquer the people? It means to conquer the people. Uh, evidently there was a mess being set up to dictate the church's operation. Hmm. There's a lot of deacons that do that nowadays too. There's a lot of pastors that do that nowadays. It's the truth. It's the truth, friend, and I tell you, this elevated men in position to a level that God needed to be in. Amen. God needed to be in. And I've been called to pastor here and to oversee here, but I'm not Lord here. I'm not Lord of Mountain Valley Baptist Church, and neither are you. And sadly, many churches are run by individuals, and God is left out. Run as a business. Can I just tell you tonight, I know one church well that's run as a business. Well. 
that's run as a business. And I tell you, friend, it is God's church, and He ought to be able to do with it what He wants to do with it. And we're, if we're not exalting Him, then we ought not be exalting anybody, thank God. Amen. They were compromising and they were corrupted. Uh, they were comp- corrupted because they compromised. If they would have stayed on the straight path uh, to glory, they would have never been corrupted by it. But you know what happened? They got off the wrong road. They let a crack, friend. Uh, and I'm telling you tonight, uh, it's important for you as the members of Mountain Valley Baptist Church uh, and me as the pastor of Mountain Valley Baptist Church uh, to not let that mess get in this house of God. Uh, we must keep strong uh, and keep the faith uh, and keep it away from this mess. Uh, friend, we must not compromise. Amen. And then we see not only were they compromising or corrupted, but then they were also confronted. Uh, They were confronted, and the Bible says in verse 16, uh, Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Red letters, King James Bibles. uh, And friend, Jesus gave a rough warning to Pergamos. Uh, He says, Repent, repent. And if they failed to do that, he would quickly bring consequences to them. Uh, It would be swift consequences as fast as they could. uh, And left unresolved, Jesus would bring uh, quick judgment on the church of Pergamos uh, for their compromise uh, and for their refusal to confront sin uh, and error inside of the church. Amen, friend, if Jesus is committed to fighting error and false doctrine uh, within the church, uh, and don't you think we, w- we must be willing uh, to confront uh, the error and the false doctrine uh, within the church accordingly as well? I think we ought to, friend. Uh, this isn't popular in today's culture of politic or, or political correctness. Uh, it's not popular in today, uh, but we have an obligation uh, to maintain doctrinal purity uh, at all costs. Uh, at all costs. We are the church. And we ought to keep it. I'm not fussing tonight. I promise I'm not mad at nobody, but I'm just telling you tonight. It's so important. To do that. It's still wrong to live how you please. It's still wrong to do what you please. I mean, we can call and call out every sin upon this earth, and it's still wrong. Amen. It's still wrong to get what we think we can do and just do however we want to do it and live six days this way and one day this way. It's wrong, and God hates it. But there's many that are doing it. There's people in the churches today uh, that are living however they want to. Friend, I'm tired of it. I'm sick and fed up with this mess. I'm telling you this morning, this evening, there is so much mess that's going on uh, and people just living however they want to. Uh, That is not God's way. It's not. You can never live this way and that way on different on different days. You know what that makes a person? Makes them a hypocrite. And you know what the Bible says about it? The Bible calls them hypocrite. And if a hypocrite, God's going to judge hypocrites harshly. Harshly. I mean, I know everybody's going to be judged, but I'm telling you right now, the hypocrite. You know what the hypocrite is? Woe unto them, scribes and hypocrites. 
man, they want to do this. They have they, the Bible describes in Matthew chapter twenty three uh, that they're the whited sepulcher, and on the inside, on the outside, everything looks grand, but on the inside, there's nothing there. Black, black. I'm telling you, friend. I know some people who are hypocrites, and it's wicked. And God confronted the church of Pergamos and said, listen here, friend, if you do not repent, I will come in quickly and I'll fight against you with the sword of my mouth. That's dangerous, ain't you thinking? That's fighting him with the word of God. The church is standing, the church's situation, then I want you to notice this church's solution. The Bible says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and the stone a new name writ, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. So we understand that the solution is to repent, and this is the salutation of it, if you will. I mean, that's not a point, but this is something the Lord's saying. He's saying, here is what you need to do. And the Lord has a solution for every situation. Don't you know that? He has the answer. Amen. By the way, if you haven't noticed, the book of Revelation is still all about Him. Amen. It's still all about Him and the faithful are never forgotten though. And that's what He's seeing here. The faithful are not forgotten and Jesus promises to provide for those who overcome. They're seated. They're sitting in a place that's seated where Satan sits, right? They're, they're there where Satan sits. It's literally what they are. They're where Satan is. Uh, at this time, they're where Satan sits, where his seed is. You believe that, right? Well, there's some overcoming that needs to be done. And the Lord knows it gives them three promises, if you will. But I want you to notice a different kind of style of it. There's provisions. He goes through and he says... Uh, I will give to eat of the hidden manna. Of the hidden manna. Now we understand that that's one of the things that are that is in, under the mercy seat. That's in the tabernacle, in the holiest of holies. Understand the there's the golden pot with manna. We understand that. And we understand that's the blessings of the Lord. Right? As we know about the manna in the wilderness, even if you've never read it, you know about it. You know about that manna that was in the wilderness. The most of uh, Pergamus, uh, uh, they, they were in there and they were filled with themselves. Uh, they were filled with the worldly pleasure, and the pure, but the pure were not left out. And Jesus would feed them with his abundance. That's what this manna represented, the abundance of God. It was the abundance of God and he would go through uh, and they would be told of all of the things uh, that would be in there and uh, what he offers them uh, is always superior to what the world can give them. And as we we find nourishment for our souls. And the Lord says, I'll give you that hidden I'll give you that hidden manna. That's provisions, wouldn't you say? Then we see the privileges. 
He goes through and he mentions, we'll give him a white stone. And a white stone. Hmm. Well, I studied on that white stone, and this stone probably doesn't mean much to you. But it was a very precious gift in that day. It was something that I read where white stones were given of judges to those who were found innocent. Soldiers received them in victory of battle. That's what I heard. And they were broken and they were shared by friends to be redeemed at a time of need. That's what they said. So they were given as tickets to a special occasion. They said that's what those white stones were for. They were a bunch of different things. You know what else they said the white stones were for? They said that the white stones uh, would, would be given by a groom who would offer it to his bride uh, as a promise to take her. So it's almost as a promise. Thank God for these precious promises that the Lord gives us in our lives. And Pergamos, if they were to overcome, they would be given a stone. Not only just a stone, but then there would be a promise. Privileges and provision. Pleasures. There would be a new name, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. This white stone given to overcomers would have a name written on it. And that that no one knew what that name was except the recipient of it. No one knew. And this speaks of our individual relationship with Jesus. It speaks of approval. It speaks of our relationship with Him alone. And friend, I tell you tonight, I'm glad for my new name. It said a new name was written on it. I'm glad. I'm no longer the man that I used to be. Amen. I'm glad that's not what I am anymore. The man that could be put upon my name and the things uh, that could be put upon my name in that time was something that I used to be. But I'm not, I'm not those names anymore. If they used to call you a drunkard, you're not that name anymore if you've been saved. If they used to call you a whoremonger, that's not what you are anymore. You see what I'm saying there? I'm just giving an example. I'm no longer the man that I used to be, friend. And Jesus has given me a new name. I'm a child of the King. I belong to Him. And my name's recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And it's never going to be removed from it. Every child of God shares an intimate relationship with Christ. And we can rest upon that thing. And so this was a tough text. One of the toughest ones yet. But you see it as well as I do. There's a strong push in our day to leave the doctrine and the fundamentals of the faith in order to join with the modern movement of today, whatever it may be. Uh, Some call for compromise for the sake of cooperation. Some call for that sort of stuff. But I want to stay true to the Lord tonight. I want to stay true and serving the Lord and standing for Him will likely result in some type of increased opposition. It's going to result in that. And in our future, you will absolutely have to face opposition because you stood for Jesus. But I tell you tonight, I plan on standing for Him. 
I plan on standing for Him 100%. And if we compromise our stand and allow corruption within the church, within this church, if we will compromise on it and allow that to come in, we stand in danger of rebuke and judgment from the Lord. Friend, He's done so much for me. He's done too much for me. And the least I can say, the least I can do is to stay faithful to Him. That's the least I can do. And Pergamus couldn't stay committed as a whole. Can we? Can we? Pergamus, the church that couldn't stay committed. You can stand to your feet tonight. Lord, we love you. Ask your God to help us, help this church to be receptive to you and your word. Ask your dear God in the name of Jesus that you would get all ultimate glory and preeminence from this church. Or that everything that we say and everything we do would bring honor and glory into your name and your name alone. Lord, we're grateful, we're thankful, God, for the privilege to be able to preach the word of God once again. And I ask you, dear God, in the name of Jesus that you would help us or to honor you. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Help us not to compromise. Help us not to fall short. Help us, not to, help us to stand firm on the doctrine and the way of the faithful. Help us, God, to do that. We love you so much in Jesus' name.